0: Mana, This is Social Disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. A.K.A. <clears throat> Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a director of comedy in the form of many Comedy Bang Bang episodes and most recently, Well Done with Sebastian Meniscalco, a photographer of Everyday Wonder, a writer of Weird Stuff, an enjoyer of Swamps, and the Face of Golden Corral. Please welcome Stony Sharp. Welcome. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Brenna. I appreciate that. Of course. Thank you for having me. I, lo- I, I do love swamps. Well, after I saw that, that you love swamps, I know you're from Florida, so mm-hmm. fair enough, yep. that I googled swamps because I wanted to remember the different terminology of swamps. It reminded me of the word bog, which I yes. enjoy very, very much.
1: Mm. You like a good bog, like a, like a cranberry bog?
0: I love a cranberry bog, love a swamp bog, which I guess is a phrase. I also love the fact that there are four al- you know, like alternative words for bog, and each one are great: mire, mosses, okay. quagmire, and muskeg. Yeah, that's all about right.
1: That's pretty great. Yeah, that's that's good. We we um, sometimes we call it a river sticks too, back and forth. Oh, yeah,
0: I like that. That's a very elegant phrase. Yeah, it also means you know, uh, hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but as far as like hell related phrases go. It's, it's good. One. I think that's got to be on the upper echelon of elegans. I
1: think so too. <laughs> I think so too.
0: This is like such a basic question, but how was like the Florida growing up experience? Because if somebody is who is in Arkansas, you know that's kind of like the place in the southeast where everybody vacations. I've been there plenty right. of times, but obviously it's a dramatically different thing being shaped by it. So, you
1: know, I, I I do my Florida routine a lot on, on podcasts, so I won't go too into the same okay, stuff that, I, that I've done before. No, no, but I but I got to tell you, but, but this, uh, it, it, you're setting me up for my favorite thing to talk about. First of all, you get the special treatment because you're actually from the South. You're not from Texas, which is not the South. I don't care what they say, even though they're like Florida without a sense of humor. It's its own state.
0: It's its own yeah. country
1: at it's this point. It's a state of mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, they got their own power grid. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so you know, I grew up in the weirdest part of Florida. And I'm not saying that because it's trendy to say, I'm saying that because I truly did grow up in the weirdest part of the weirdest state and weirdest country in the world. I, I grew up in the, I grew up a, a, an hour south of Georgia um, in the middle of the state. So so any sort of like, you know, swamp creature cartoon or, you know, really making fun of like, you know, goobers in the south. that's based on where I grew up. Uh, it's a little a one square mile town called McIntosh, 20 miles from nowhere. And one of the things that's notable is that because it's so far away from any other town, there's some pretty loose zoning restrictions. Um. So, uh, so um, uh, a lot of people... Can practice their uh, uh, circus animal routines without fear of retribution
0: it can be it's a great place for unencumbered weirdness
1: yes yeah okay. i call i call um i call the the florida the floridian experiment the dark side of freedom where if the idea <laughs> of america is that as individuals we're free florida is everyone that goes oh i'm free to do whatever i want great <laughs>
0: The, the veritable fuck it state. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, so... So, um... But yeah, yeah. Uh, my, you know, I... The, the lake that my town is next to um, famously disappears every 50 years when a sinkhole opens up and sucks the entire lake down. Uh, it's a massive lake. Uh, it happened once in the 50s. And then they took a bunch of uh, decommissioned tanks from World War II and filled the hole with tanks and school buses. And then... When I was graduating, when I graduated high school in the late 90s, the tanks finally rusted and then the lake just disappeared. And so they filled it full of more stuff and now it's back again.
0: I like that uh, instead of learning from it, they just double down on that of (laughs) just throw more shit in there. Yeah, well, you
1: can't. Listen, you can't beat it. Do it. Do it work last time. (laughs) Throw a bunch of shit in it. And also that lake is famous for um, it's got an amazing feature, which is floating islands the islands are a clump of moss and peat and crap that it's so big and thick that trees grow on it. So there are islands that are constantly moving around the lake.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. I love Florida. I guess partially because I don't live there, so I can marvel at it (laughs) from a relative far. But it's so unto itself in a way that is, you know, like I, I was thinking this earlier about, Louisiana and Florida are so unto themselves. Oh yeah, but like Louisiana is more overtly explainable, I guess, because it's like parishes and it's like France and it's unto you know and there's oh no, truly no place structured like it, and it's by itself. But Florida is just counties and it's a part of America, just like anything else, like any other other forty nine states, I guess. But it's itself. It's Florida.
1: I think I think Louisiana is still under Napoleonic law, or at least a at least a a version of napoleonic law so i if i'm not mistaken a lot of things changed after katrina but i think you are still legally allowed to ride a horse anywhere in the city at any time and hitch the horse so they still have those horse hitching things yeah this is not cool but i believe it is still technically a law in the books that more than five single women are not allowed to live alone together because it's considered a brothel <laughs> there's a bunch of like wackadoo Kings and laws. Laws, yeah. uh, in in in, uh, in Louisiana I mean in Florida too I mean the, the reason I'm the reason I wound up in Hollywood arguably is because in Marion County where I where I grew up they thought that MTV was playing devil music so they refused to have MTV carried on our cable service so during the height of liquid television and Beavis and Butthead I couldn't watch MTV so Marion County became the first one of the first test areas for this experiment called uh, the Comedy Channel, and the only thing that was on the Comedy Channel was thirty-second clips of stand-up comedy and a show called Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. Wow. And so I became so obsessed with Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand that um, you know I went to a fancy film school. I got into a fancy film school and and uh, I went USC and and at the end of um, uh, my last year they said, well, Sonny, you, you know you're you're doing great here and we want to give you an internship and we'll set you up with anyone you want. If you, if there's anyone that you particularly want to work with in Hollywood, we'll figure out a way to get you an internship. <laughs> and I said, I want to work with Joel Hodgson for mystery science theater 3000. <laughs> and they said the guy who quit his own show that was canceled eight years ago. I'm like, yes. And so huh, when he put they, it like that, yeah. so they set me up <laughs> with Joel and, um, and I, I worked with Joel for, eight years and uh, met all my heroes, you know, Paul Rubens and weird Al Yankovic and uh, a bunch of really incredibly odd and amazing comedy magicians. And, and uh, yeah, uh, my, my sort of community started there through, through Joel Hodgson and the mystery science theater scene because of my weird swamp obsession. And I would go, I would go to school uh, back in Florida and I'm like, they're like, oh, did you guys see Beavis and butt I can't believe they, whatever, played frog ball. And I'm like, you guys, you guys, I watched this show. It's an hour long. It's a guy in two robots, and he watches old movies and makes fun of them. And they're like, listen, we don't want to hear about your generic, weird, Marion County, we're talking liquid television here. Aeon <laughs> Flux, you don't know what you're doing. And, and no one saw it. Most people didn't believe that it even existed until it finally
0: it sort of came out. That's uh, amazing. Years later, yeah. That, because that, um, man, talk about such a specific comedic voice in Mystery Science 3000. Yeah. And Mystery oh. Science Theater 3000, excuse me. That's really, that's incredible, like, that you were shaped by almost, like, a late-stage Florida satanic panic situation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, and just so you know, this, a lot of people don't know this. You know the the super dark black metal, like, you know, super evil death metal stuff that from, from Norway? That all came from Tampa first. So that both goth (laughs) and like black metal came from Tampa and then was adopted by the Norwegians. And they really took it far and were burning churches down and stuff. And then it came back. But when I was growing up, that was the kind of, I, you know, all my friends were like hippie kids and, and weirdo townies and death metal people. And what us townies would do was like go to death metal shows in the woods where the super scary metalheads would be up in front you know like slamming into each other and then like the the hippies that were super into the hobbit would be like on the edges of the crowd like dancing <laughs> as if they you're like you lee. it was like medieval fair at the <laughs> edges and the and the center was like evil death so yeah like that was just another another sort of like aspect of florida culture was like the cult i guess
0: that's amazing yeah well and and think about it too now that i think about it, about how you know outside of like how specific mystery science 3000 mystery science theater 3000 good lord is that that the people you said you met too like paul rubens for example incredibly specific and brilliant comedic oh, yeah. voices what an amazing starting point what an amazing I mean, way to break in and those are the people you meet
1: yeah i mean he's you know he's, he's my
0: hero like Pee Wee's big adventures another reason why i'm out here
1: but but you know all of these all of these voices that became household names all started off as like weirdo punk rock you know sort of like mm, revolution through through comedy revolution through mm, cheeriness almost you know i mean yeah. like paul Paul was a part of like a like a, a really um sort of gnarly, gnarly scene in in new york if you've ever seen his first uh hbo special it's much it's much more adult, but it still has the sort of kid show quality to it. You know, like, um, uh, uh, the, the kids in the hall when they started out, it was, they were also, there was a, there was a marriage between punk music or, or, you know, like I guess rock in their case, the rock scene and the comedy scene. And, and I heard this famous story and it's, maybe i'm like not doing it justice because it's second hand but but i heard that when lauren michaels came to see the kids in the hall as a group in canada everyone the sort of word spread that the 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 group was being looked at for having their own show and not just uh, the two guys that were writing on snl and so what (laughs) they started to perform and then a rival group a rival sketch group jumped on stage and started performing another sketch in front of the kids in the hall, just so Lauren Michaels would see it. And then the kids in the hall started, like, it became a shoving match. And uh, uh, Scott Thompson wound up, like, screaming and kicking them off the stage. And then, <laughs> and then they continued oh continue their sketch. You know, like, it, it's a very – it's a weird it's a weird thing. But it, it's, like, the same way that, that people in, in little towns in Florida, and Arkansas, the way that, that we sort of find our people – um, back then, it was through music and you know, like sort of like alt comedy and theater. And now it's podcast, yeah, and, very and, much. And you know, like uh, the, you know, obscure parts of the internet. I hope people are still going to live music, and I'm not saying that as like a as like in my day things were better, but I just think that like live music and and live theater and, and comedy is just so such a massive part of my life that that was a that was the the only thing that i truly truly mourned during uh the pandemic
0: no i completely agree and uh that's something i think about and this feels like such a an old man thought but then again it's i still it's it's true for me that you know with the internet and what all that brings that it feels impossible to discover things anymore Mm. To have that sense of discovery, I guess to almost like as somebody who worked at Blockbuster for years, but going to Blockbuster (laughs) Video War and but like finding a movie you didn't know existed, you know, because we just know everything about everything or have the ability to if we want to, you know, to endorse that. So it feels really difficult to just stumble upon something and be wowed by it without any preconceived notions about it.
1: But I also I think it's cool. Like I don't I don't mind it. You know, my Jonah Ray is my um, a pal of mine, and he is now the host of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I think I don't know how, yeah. what is what is he six years younger than me, eight years maybe. I don't think ten years younger than me. But he's he's probably like mid thirties, right? Yeah, yeah. So so but he uh, even though he has had far more, even though he was born uh, much later than I was, he's almost the same sort of sensibility because with his access to anything in the world he has sort of he sort of like decided to lean into the same kind of stuff that 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 raised me you know the old yeah. old school comics the old school you know whatever repo man like a, he's, he's into joe versus the finding it funny that joe versus the volcano exists and so and i'm seeing that with even like younger people like my my daughter's age they they, they have access to everything and they're able to use media and the reference points almost as language. Uh, and, and so, so like, uh, and tell me if I'm, dr- you know, sort of like no. droning on here, but uh, my eldest daughter is nine. And I always talk to her about like how important the Simpsons was when I was growing up and how I'm such a big Simpsons fan and how I can quote it and all this shit. And then I just realized, I'm like, Oh, you know what? She has seen, far more episodes of The Simpsons than I ever have. <laughs> yeah. Way more. But she's seen, I think, I think she's seen 15 to 20 seasons. I've seen the first 10 many times with
0: commercial breaks. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Well, no, to your point, the Discovery thing is more of like, it's just, I'm just tilting at windmills now. I'm just sure. being cranky yeah. about that. But it was just more of a, it's hard to just like um, find something from nothing, I guess. But yeah. But the, the flip side of that, to your point, though, is that you can find all of the things you love and find the things that were impossible to find pre internet or pre even 10 years ago with access to the internet and everything being on there. Like the amount that, you know, whether it's about comedy or any other subject that kids and younger people, people younger than me, I'm 38, know, expo- they know exponentially more than I have, than I do now, probably, or ever did, certainly at that age. It's, it's very impressive. I'm very impressed by them. Sometimes I think, sometimes I think,
1: well, you know, there's some things that I know better than them because if they know all this stuff, I clearly, I must have some advantage. And you know what? I hope that's not true. I hope they're a thousand times smarter than me. Yeah, me too. We need people to be smarter and cooler than than we were and and our generation is not so bad. Um, So hopefully, hopefully they're going to be way better than us. That's, That's all I can, that's all I can wish for.
0: In my experience, at least they, and maybe this speaks more to me than anything they know exponentially more than I do, and it's and without while also having you know the insight of not being um weathered by the world on right. top of it, so they're way so much more clear headed and so much better at processing information than I am,
1: yeah, they're cool as hell Good for yeah. them. maybe they'll let me hang out with them
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my only goal this one. <laughs> um <laughs> I do want to ask you like speaking of working with a lot of different people yeah. that Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show you directed a bunch of episodes. Yeah. According to IMDb, forty, but who knows if that's. Yeah, know, that's accurate. right.
1: That's right. I did. I did every episode with Kid Cudi and Weird Al. So I did the the last. Oh wow. The la- the twenty of twenty with Kid
0: Cudi and twenty with Weird Al. A, that's a. Those are there's That's some strong episodes. What? Yeah. I, and what I was thinking too about, of the th- of the show was Comedy Bang Bang is one, of if not, maybe the the place to work. Where you can work with almost every conceivable comedy person. Yeah, it's wild how many people went through there in all the episodes, and certainly even a chunk of forty, because that's so many episodes. That when you're doing that too, like you know, working with so many different people, are there? I would imagine that there still are oh shit moments of working with certain people because there are just so many luminaries. You know what's
1: funny? Um, you know it's it's weird because there were some people on there that were, a lot of the people that were on ending when i was there became significantly more influential in hollywood like brie larson you know but uh yeah but but there were some people that were still very high status you know i mean kevin bacon he's he's a he's a star right but yeah everybody was like completely down to they were down for the joke they didn't care anytime the more committed they were the funnier it was that's why that's why um Kevin Bacon I think is the, still the funniest one because he didn't understand what the hell the jokes even meant half the time but he <laughs> knew that if he was completely committed it would be the funniest and it's true. So if you're asking if we had any like any sort of catastrophes go down not really because there wasn't any time for it you know what i mean because trust me i'll get into i'll talk to you about a show where we did have fiascos but um, but like the way that bang bang worked this is real boring nuts and bolts yeah. but i so so the way that bang bang worked was we were, we were budgeted so that we needed – we had two days, essentially, to shoot an episode. Uh, uh, instead of, you know, bigger shows where you get five or six. My dream. Uh, so we had two days to shoot an episode. And some of our sketches that we did were really, really involved, and a sketch might take an entire day to shoot, or sometimes even – in some cases, multiple days to shoot a sketch in order to do like a trailer or something like that. So, the way that we made that possible was by, um, anytime you see you know Scott, and Kid Cudi in the in the actual talk show set, that is so it, it's so it's it's sort of broken down to a science for like how efficient we had to be with it, and mm-hmm. and and um and there are cue cards not all the time. Uh, pretty much everything is scripted, except for the last improv moment in the last improv moment, we just let somebody go for 20 to 40 minutes and we know we've got we know we've got a segment, you know so so wow. long story short, I guess what I'm dancing around here is that as long as we knew that 70% of the episode, which is highly capable comedians sitting next to each other on a couch talking and reading lines, that could we could get that done very quickly. And efficiently, and then have time for doing like the wackadoo sort of cinematic sketches, uh, you know, on another day. Um, yeah. Nothing, nobody ever got hurt. That's the only thing I'm ever worried about on set. Um, nothing totally wild happened. I mean, here, here's a, here's a story that I that I think is kind of neat. So when Weird Al was on it, we did this we did this sketch called the Never Ending Hallway, and mm-hmm. the joke is that it's like one of those, you know. Um, uh cop cop shows where they're like walking and talking and they're like you know sort of uh, moving at a clip down this long hallway and they're just they're talking about the case and then they go through a door and we keep you know we go through another hallway and they keep going and al yankovic is the is the police chief and ackerman is like a detective and ackerman is like realizing that they're going down the, exactly the same hallway and exactly the same people are doing the same thing every time and they re- he realizes he's in some sort of like feedback loop so someone in production uh understandably told Al that he would only have to be shooting for two hours but what they didn't realize is like it wasn't just shooting them walking down a hallway it was Shooting the hallway, resetting, shooting it again, resetting, shooting it again, resetting all with a dolly move and and then turning around and doing the opposite, facing the other direction. So it actually wound up taking about four and a half to five hours to shoot this this quick sketch. And what we didn't realize is that because production had told Al he could leave, Lin-Manuel Miranda was waiting for Al at a restaurant for like (laughs) two hours or an hour and a half. And was completely understanding about it this is the first time that they were going to like meet as like a, some collaboration thing. And mm-hmm. we, we had Lin-Manuel waiting for Al to keep doing this silly <laughs> sketch where he's walking down the hallway, you know, going like, mm, I kind of recognize that window or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's basically as, that's basically as wild as it got on Bang. Like, we we just, we were like, I'll tell you this much. Anytime you see an episode that is particularly vibrant and fun and charismatic, it's because, all the all the crew and the guests were having a good time. That show was not a huge budget, And so anytime we were all feeling great, the episode sort of tonally comes across in a similar way. And anytime that the mood got down, it would immediately be visible on the screen. So what <laughs> so one of my big sort of jobs was cheerleader and to and to try to convince people that it was worth it to to work hard and have a good time
0: (laughs) That's it. yeah i imagine a certain percentage of it is keeping the energy up because it's it's so like uh it's such a machine oh yeah everybody had a job there was a limited amount of time and it just had to go 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 yeah and it was it was really wild And, and you know people would cancel at the last second like we'd show you know show
1: up to work and it's like okay i've done all my prep work and i know for a fact that macklemore is our is our host or is our main guest on this episode and we, whatever it's the werewolf episode and we'd show up and they'd be like macklemore <laughs> dropped out at the last second <laughs> got to think of something we've got to see if tom lennon will come in here and so or we'll we're, instead we're going to do another episode you know like the, literally the arriving on set and being like oh we're actually going to shoot 104 instead of 103 because macklemore wasn't available so that's that a lot sort of triage of yeah <laughs> yes yeah, but it worked out great. Everybody had a great time. and
0: It's a great show.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's I think it's going to be that and that and the Birthday Boys. Um, uh, and, uh, oh, man, what's the oh, – I'm going to – I feel bad. I'm going to forget the name of this. The, show, the Get Up Gang, is that what they're called?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, shows sure. like that I hope will be discovered by m- many future generations because it's really, really funny, important – important finger quotes the hardest finger quotes i've ever done comedy <laughs> um and and uh, and i think it, i hope it inspires the future generations
0: yeah the i same. think yeah, go ahead. i think all of those you know that i've watched this year uh, as well return to some of them they all hold up still and unsurprisingly i mean they were so funny at the time but certainly now i know the tip is on the more new side for sure and it seems like it's getting some momentum uh, you, uh, of you mean late that- in the last year they
1: they all they all hold up uh, like Bang Bang in so far as that they enrage you with dumb jokes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, that's what I traffic in. I feel like. that's that's that gives me life. So I'm all about that. And uh, no, Bang Bang is so it's so funny. What a great impressive show. With even without knowing the backstory of just ha- what a time crunch it was, you know, on top of everything.
1: Oh, it was nuts. Yeah, it was really nuts. We do we do a couple sixteen hour days a week. Um, but it's fun. But you know what's funny is that like I started I started just like a lot of other people my my generation, I guess my class my class of directors and you know like UCB stuff and and um you know Funnier Die stuff and and but, but I was making all the ones that were like so dumb they were enraging. I mean, <laughs> just look at the the Pixar sketch I did with uh with Neil Campbell and, and Paul Russ and Harris Whittles, where it's like it's just a it's a it's it's the same kind of thing, you know, but timely. Norm MacDonald used to do where it's like it is a dumb old school joke taken completely serious and it just makes you angry to even see it. And it's also hilarious at the same time because it's like, I can't believe you just wasted my time. It's so messed up.
0: But that's what makes me like that type of stuff, or you know, to your point about Norm MacDonald when he was reading the the old jokes on the roast, Bob Saget. Oh yeah, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. It makes me cry, laugh. I mean, <laughs> R.I.P. Norman Donald, who's I don't know that anybody's made me laugh singularly more than he has.
1: Like, when he said, "When he said
0: box office poison," I think that's the loudest I've ever laughed. I couldn't <laughs> yes. believe that. I could not believe it
1: was just absolutely shocking. It was so funny.
0: It's the best. It it was um. It's that we're a time, too, when, you know, somebody passes untimely or no, but certainly untimely in this case, and died, and uh, everybody shared the same clips. But I did that, you know, watched those independently for years, and then you realize, oh, we were all doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I say, for years, I've said... Your neck reminds me of a typewriter, Underwood. <laughs> like I think about that all the time. And but then I watching the clip again, I'm like, oh, that's right. He did that to Gilbert Gottfried. I didn't even know he did yeah. that. To. That's so funny.
0: Yeah, just that the moth joke on Conan. Oh my it's, god, it's it's a cliche. It feels like a cliche even to mention it at this point. The dirty. But Chinese. it's the best. Yeah, there are or, so many
1: in his in his comedy album. is hilarious and it's so fucked up. But he also is just a, he's a beautiful. He was a beautiful, you know, writer where lucky to have him i just hope canadians keep exporting their their brilliant uh minds to america <laughs> yeah they've, they've really shaped my shaped my you know sensibilities over the years
0: yeah i, I mean it, it can't be underestimated i know that that with norman donald too we talked about that stand-up was the choice and he was something like he would i really listened to the wtf episode from 2011 a couple of days ago and just talking about how he, something to the effect of he was glad to get out of canada because you know, eventually, if you're a comedian in Canada, you'll get your own show. But they're all terrible, <laughs> as, as he as he put it. And that you know that he got out, and you know that comedy was always the thing for him. But you know,
1: you know, it's funny. I don't think I know any. I don't think I know any Canadian uh, comedy shows other than you can't do that on television and SCTV. I'm sure there's a ton of them, but I can't. I can't think of any. I, you know? I know I
0: couldn't either. I, I was just like, oh, is this that? Maybe because you know he's talking about when he came up in the eighties but was, they weren't being in any way like readily exported like they are now? Or maybe just the, with the internet being what it is, you can anybody can get anything at any point and things don't really need to be formally released anymore.
1: Well every once in a while my daughters will be like watching a show and I'm like, Why does this city look boring? That this whatever, the babysitters club for example. Why does this city look boring? Hmm. Must be either Atlanta or Toronto. And then they'll be like I don't know what you're talking about. I've been watching this child since day one, okay? And I'm like, "Aha! It's a Canadian show." You know, like that's that's the only way I can tell. Do... What are you talking about, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alanis, what are you talking about? So, um, so uh, my wife's family are all Quebecois. They're all oh. uh, the real French Canadians. The real, yeah. Uh, yeah they're, so they are the Florida version, the C- Canadian version of the Florida where I grew because they're deep in the woods and and uh, and. Up in quebec province and we're truly talking cold
0: and isolated
1: cold and isolated and hilarious and like uh, so my because of that because of that heritage we uh we put our kids in french immersion school uh we actually the real reason we put them in french immersion school is because we could not decide what school to put them in and then the french school was the only one that accepted them we we're like mm, okay and so we we <laughs> dropped our kindergartner off her first day of school and the uh, the teacher goes bonjour, Della, bonjour, vais, bonjour blah, 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 whatever and dela just turns at us and goes what and we're like good luck <laughs> and just completely 100 percent french she didn't know what the fuck was going on for i think a year and then and then my kids uh because i'm like eager and i want to know about it and i ask them about it they will not speak french around me this is now this is years later right so 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 i asked them but you you
0: know they speak it but they're like no
1: i didn't know if they i I, honestly i was like it is possible that these kids don't speak a single word of french (laughs) I, i have no idea and so so just before the pandemic what was that 2019 yeah we we went to uh europe we went to paris because we're like let's test out this French and <laughs> I hadn't been to Europe in 30 years I used to live there a long time ago been and so we, we went to Paris and uh, this is, obviously it's the longest my children have ever traveled and they're quiet and they go into this grocery store and my kids go up to the clerk at the grocery store and go <laughs> and I'm like whoa whoa they're speaking French they're speaking French and then the clerk comes up to me and goes that would be twenty francs, sir. So. I'm
0: like, wait, hold oh, wait,
1: what 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 are you guys doing?
0: And okay, oh so wait, okay, now we have a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, they, so they were just <laughs> buying shit, and they're like, talk to that guy right there with the with the um with the with a bad accent, and so, so yeah, so they do speak French, and they got they got they got me to buy a bunch of crap for them in France.
0: I like that it went from let's just throw them in here, see if it happens. Oh, that's interesting. Oh God, now they're my lifeline <laughs> to an entire country of people. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, well, okay. So that's the other thing is if they had learned Spanish, which I tried to learn and I love I love all Spanish speaking countries. You can go so many places in the world. If you speak French, and this is not me knocking these countries, but here are your options. France, of course. Belgium. Nobody should go there. Cameroon or else. One part of
0: Louisiana. French Polynesia? Question French Polynesia? Polynesia, but I don't even know if they speak French there anymore. I don't then, either. I just knew it's in the title.
1: In Canada, but if you speak Parisian French, it's going to hurt your ears so bad to hear the Canadian French that you won't even you could, you would rather not go there. So that's kind of it. So what I the, what I think is going to happen is my kids are going to, you know, go to Paris and then they're going to like marry some nerd and I won't get to see them or I'm going to travel a lot. I made a I made a serious mistake. I should have <laughs> had them learn Spanish, and also also I try to help them with their homework, you know, and I'm like, um. Uh, in share va ala and then they just go bad, 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 <laughs> bad, 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 and I'm like, well, what are you guys talking about? Listen, you, you you kind of understand what I'm saying, right? And my little one looks at me and she goes, Dad, you have a lazy mouth. And then they <laughs> w- left. So.
0: It's just a lot of you saying kiss say? Yeah, I go.
1: <laughs> yeah, at one point I go, uh, what what did I say? Au revoir, della, and she goes. That was so terrible. I go, what are you talking about? Did I say it right? I, I was an actor. I can, I can do accents and stuff. And she goes, you didn't say the R. I go, I'm supposed to say au revoir. And she goes, no, no, no. You're supposed to think it. You're not supposed to say it. But if you don't think it, you can't hear it. I'm like, all right. I can't even. I don't even understand this
0: language. All right, I'm. You're... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I quit. You're just manipulating me now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank I you. By way, saying, <laughs> I would just be saying. I would just be saying weh weh. A lot. That's, see, no, that's French Canadian.
1: Now you're French Canadian. Okay, yeah. there we go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think my problem is that with languages, I don't think that I have a brain for them naturally. So to overcompensate or to compensate for that, it would have to be that I learn a language where I am utterly fascinated by like the history, of the culture, and the language itself. Which means it's going to be something that is utterly useless to probably a singular country.
1: I tried to learn. I tried to learn Japanese in college. Because I am so fascinated by yeah. by the people and in the and in the, in the place that I took two years of it, and and it got so difficult so quickly that they're like, "Listen, Stony, you're in too deep. You can't get out of Japanese, and you have to take language, and you're gonna fail. And the only way that you can survive is if you go to the <laughs> behavioral psychology lab and prove that you are you have a massive learning <laughs> learning <laughs> disorder." So I had to go and be like. Uh, which one is up? You know, and uh, and so yeah, they they diagnosed me with a uh, severe dyslexia, and and I and I and I instead took a Japanese culture class instead of Japanese, and I that stopped me from being, failing out of film school.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, we all know you have a lazy mouth. I do. <laughs> I do. Watashi no mouth wa totemo lazy desu. See, wow, I. That that just shows my lack of facility for languages. I understood what you said, but obviously, you were really softballing it for me. Yeah. And I will take it. I do want to ask you, too, yeah, yeah, we had mentioned before this, well, a couple of things, but one, Highland Park TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had said that that's kind of helping you bridge the gap between Loditum and, mm. and figuring out, like, uh, I guess bringing, like, 90s technology into the relative 2000s and you know, Highland Park T V it's the premier three camera television <coughs> studio in full. It is. standard definition, putting the axe in public access since two thousand sixteen. <laughs> and and I I was introduced to it by the way in like maybe May of last year when oh, you did really? a Don't Stop It Will Die. You produced a Don't Stop It Will Die show. Yeah. That was on Twitch. It was fantastic. Oh yeah. I absolutely loved it. Loved it. Oh, so it. psyched. Oh, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we're gonna those guys are like family. We're gonna we're gonna be doing a lot more stuff coming up and one thing i can yeah one thing i can guarantee is that anytime we do those events it will be truly truly entertaining both musically and comedically and visually and it is it is i just i don't know how to stress that people watch things in this day and age but all i can tell you is i'm not making any money off of it and it's just it's just for creativity's sake and if you you, just sh- you shouldn't miss those shows, especially live, because it's really, really, it's really a great experience. So here's here's how Highland Park TV came to be. Uh, it's a two-pronged story. Uh, I, st- I got my first directing gig in Florida when I was 18, and I got a job at Cox Cable in Gainesville, and I was directing the, the religious broadcast of the Compassionate Outreach Ministries with Larry J. Dennison. <laughs> and um and the, the we had we had a traditional multicam switcher that would switch between cameras, but we also had a video toaster, and a video toaster was a piece of uh, computer hardware and software invented by Dana Carvey's brother. oh wow. and it was designed to bring a professional television. Producing to the common person, and and Dana Carvey's even wearing a video toaster uh, shirt in in Waynesville. So, so what it was is you might have seen these commercials when you were when you were younger. You know these effects when you were younger, like it's one shot of say a used car lot, and then the silhouette of a football player runs out and throws a ball, and the ball turns into the next shot, which wipes into whatever a shot of like the sign of a car for sale right yeah. so it had all these silly wipes these like sheep would come down and wipe to the next frame or a cheerleader would do a somersault and wipe to the next frame and so i thought it was so funny even back then in whatever it was 1996 and then and then cut to relative present and i'm directing and creating for adult swim and my my partner um uh, my editor and my pal rob getchman he saw that there was a video toaster for sale on eBay, and so we got it for like, I don't know, 200 bucks or something like that, and and I slowly, I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll do something for Adult Swim, we'll do some commercial, or we'll do some, maybe even a pilot or something like that, and so we started with the video toaster, and then we built, we found some cameras, and we found all the standard definition equipment, because it can't work without standard of equipment, and... Long story short, over the co- course of about a year and a half, 2 years, we built a fully functioning 1991 public access TV station. Oh, uh, shit. and but the problem is you can't you can't it doesn't work if you don't have five people, at least five people. So I ad- I asked a bunch of people from, you know, absolutely, it was Tim and Eric's company and some adult swim people and some UCB people and I was like, "Hey guys, come and I'll give you beer and we're just going to goof around and and and, you know use this technology and see if it works so we did and i ironed out some of the kinks and and then the following week i was like hey if any of you guys want to do it again i i I changed some things and i want to see if it works and the next week there was a line of 15 people that went out the door of my office and they were signing up on a whiteboard for who got to do a sketch first Wow. it was a completely organic i had no intention of making it into a into a community and that was whatever 2016 and ever since then we've had this core group of like sort of alt alt comedy weirdos and activists mixed with music enthusiasts that have been doing this sort of bonkers communist experiment. Um, and you, yeah, check out YouTube slash Highland Park TV. You'll see a lot of famous faces, but it looks like absolute garbage and sounds great because we always because the only thing that really matters is good sound. And um, and now here we are. We survived the pandemic, and a lot of little theaters didn't. Um, and so, just last night, we had a bunch of like new blood and and recorded a bunch of like very very stupid and hilarious sketches with. Um, the people affiliated with, like, Everything is Terrible and some, some stand-up people. So, uh, yeah, if you want to watch some some unwatchable garbage and uh, get <laughs> lost down a rabbit hole of, like, really exciting new local music that looks like local music, just check out Highland Park TV.
0: No, it, it, it rocks. It really is great. Hey, thanks. And I think to your point, like, about before, about, like, the CBB episodes where everybody's, like, in it and there's energy to it that you can really sense that is very palpable, you know? Oh, yeah. And with something like this, a passion project, that's purely what it is. It's purely palpable. It's purely the love of it. And you can really... I think you can really, really sense that. And also, like, thinking about it now, it's a great way for you... You know, it's like a neutral site. Not a lot of people there. It's, you know, it's it's fairly COVID-proof, considering yeah, you well, can we, do a lot of different stuff and put it out there.
1: We've got a VAX policy, you know? and, and uh, But, you know, like, again, I, I said the only thing that i was really really mourning was live music and yeah and we get we had a chance to go back before anyone else did when everybody else was hiding still hiding in their house if they had that luxury if they had that privilege uh we were able to see some of our favorite bands because you know the bands are all um isolated from us in the control booth and and and, and we basically got a live show just for us and we're so so fortunate um uh yeah like don't stop i think was the was the first band that we had back and and i think they even performed the first set wearing masks if i remember correctly yeah i believe so um and uh yeah it's totally wonderful and i'll tell you another thing about it is that i'm sure you know this but as a creative person you need to have a sketch pad you know you need to be able to just goof around and make mistakes like it's when you know when you get to when you get to a point as a as a writer director actor creator and you're and you're mostly doing big established things with budgets you rarely have the chance to to make mistakes and to try new things and to see if it works and that's what's so great about Highland Park TV is it is I say it's unwatchable garbage and the, the reason is because it's it's specifically designed to be able to like goof around and screw up and try things that don't work and if if everything is safe it's kind of no no point in that so so we do a bunch of like really wild weird weird shit and it's it's great i i as a as a square dad i get a chance to like i know i know about a bunch of like younger bands that are coming up you know like like that i have i've done my whole life and i still have that opportunity i know a bunch of like i just i get a chance to see what younger stand-ups are doing and what People with a higher emotional intelligence than I have think is funny and like you know understand the subtlety of of this new form of comedy and and that, see that it's still that it's still good and funny and doesn't like necessarily hurt as many people's feelings, which is cool,
0: which is yeah. which is great. Well, it's like the embodiment of oh that'd be cool, yeah. And just trying shit out and just it's a very freeing feeling, you know, and it's also can be really freeing to for things to not go as planned but the stakes being minimal.
1: Oh, yeah. There's no stakes at all, either high or low. <laughs> it's, a,
0: it's a flat line. <laughs> it's so much so every mistake is on purpose. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, it feels organic because the thing is, is that, and I love everyone that is there, these people don't know how to work cameras. They don't know how to work the switcher. If I'm there, I'm usually going to work the switcher. But, you know, it's usually like, People that came there because they want to do their, like, whatever, their weirdo bit about vaping or whatever the thing is, and yet, because we need people to operate camera, the the person who's going to do, like, the, the vape salesman joke also needs to be able to move the camera and focus it correctly. So Yeah. That's why it all looks like crap, you know, it's like shaky cameras and like cutting to the wrong person at the wrong time. But it's that's, well, but that's personality, too. Yeah, exactly. Like right. something
0: could be something can be said for being unencumbered. Yeah. You know, like that thing where if everybody is used to a certain form, nobody really stands out. You we know, keep so we... something different. Personality goes a long way.
1: We talk a lot about the the early season of Saturday Night Live, which by the way, no one in that community is like a wild fan of. I I was I'm older than them, so I was raised with that first season, but that yeah. first season was so exciting and electric because it felt like a gross hot theater where these yeah. like these people with like sweaty shirts were just joking around and trying to crack each other up, you know? So like that, we have we have we had that same experience now in a little a little warehouse in Chinatown, and you know trains come by and, and ruin takes and stuff like that. But we we but, but it's that energy that's so hard to 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 capture.
0: um It must yeah. be yeah, truly incredibly satisfying.
1: Hey, anytime you're in LA and you want to see some dumb shit, you are always welcome. Uh, oh, hell oh yeah. So here's here's another problem is that there have been less people in that space during COVID. Mm-hmm. And last night we we filmed sketch night for the first time in a very long time, and there has been a rat. Living in the TV station, and it is enormous. This is like a Templeton rat. This is a very, very large rat. And this rat was so insulted that we were like staying late, I guess past its rat bedtime, that <laughs> it came out and started like squeaking at us, like a cartoon version of a rat going like. And we we're like, ah! do you think you are? Yeah, and everybody ran and shit and then the rat ran and then five times during the night the rat came would come back and i was like "Ah, this is like some like you know 70s 80s new york shit
0: that's amazing it's like out of watchmen where it's like you think i'm trapped in here with you no you're trapped in here with me (laughs) you're rat you're ratted in here with me (laughs) i'm rat warshack you're trapped in here with me (laughs) that's
1: about right we were scared of the rat And, and there are multiple Takes in these sketches where people just go rat, so they'll probably throw someone <laughs> or something. Fervent. Want me to get? Want me to give you? Um, let me give you. uh Help you to, to some of the the bands on the on the L.A. scene, like the up and coming bands. Based. Oh, on, absolutely. On so these are my favorites. Now, see, now they're sort of like now they've kind of blown up, or maybe blown up as much as they they will, and for for the short time, but they were sort of non-existent a couple of years ago, but um, the Paranoids, um, the Paranoids Great, are uh, for awesome people. And they play sort of like spooky garage rock that references, uh, you know, B movies and, and um, uh, I would, I don't know what you call that spooky core, but punk. They're awesome. Definitely worth okay. checking out. Paranoids okay. with a Y instead Great of. Great And then uh, my favorite, is a band called the Healing Gems, uh, and that is a scene out of East L.A. where these these kids are like kind of embracing exotica and tiki and uh, like Martin Denny culture, which was which was sort of you know historically white cocktail music, you know, and that's these, a fun
0: aesthetic. Yeah.
1: yeah, but but these sort of like Latinx kids have like made it their own and sort of added a sort of maybe sergio mendez in the brazil 66 is a good reference point too uh maybe osmo tantes but but like they it's just so beautiful and chill and they've made it their own and it's they call it i think dirty tiki or something like that and <laughs> definitely definitely worth checking out Their their music is awesome and i think they're probably gonna probably gonna do well
0: okay awesome yeah that worked out Okay, I'm glad we went down this road. I'm learning a lot of new things. <laughs> this is perfect. Um, we've gone past what I promised. So, uh, first of all, this is a damn delight. Thank you so much. Hey, no, this thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. this. This is cool. Yeah, of course. Um, and, and what all... I know what we just talked about, but what all do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up?
1: Oh, uh, geez. Well,
0: uh, if any of our listeners has the ability to... Um, to pick
1: up the, uh, the pilot that I wrote last year for Fox. I'd appreciate that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> you guys, uh, I yeah, got workplace a, workplace uh... comedy,
0: right? Yeah. yeah if anybody, <laughs> it
1: was actually, yes, it was a workplace comedy. Uh, yeah. if anybody, if anybody wants to, uh, um, bring the project I did with Elliot Kalin and, uh, and Debbie Liebling and Sam Raimi, uh, back to life the, uh, in 2019, that'd be great. Wow. Um, uh, Check out Highland Park TV. You know, check out. Sure, check out. Well done with Sebastian Menescalco. He's a lovely person. Look um, forward. Look for, look for um, whatever weird new projects I'm going to be developing over the course of the next year. Um, it will be. They will be funny and weird and cool and and uh, Lord willing, they'll uh, they'll they'll see the light of day.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. This thank really was you. great.
1: I had a, I had a great time as well and. Uh, I'm happy to join you again if you want to hear about some rat rat stories.
0: Oh, I'm all in. Yeah, we might as well book that now. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for listening. Please stay safe. Please take care. Please get vaccinated if you're not. And, uh, you know, take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. And be well. Bye. Bye.